Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by We Believers. That's W-E-E as in tiny. Visit webelievers.com for fun and faith-filled toys for your little ones. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 47. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and this is part three of a five-part series on mom self-care. Today's chat is with Danielle Bean, writer, podcaster, brand manager, and most importantly, a mom. We talk about how all of us as women are called to motherhood, although that motherhood will look differently for each of us. We also talk about how identifying what we value helps us to practice a self-care that is specific to us instead of a one-size-fits-all spa day. For bonus content and to help support the show, visit patreon.com slash diapersanddisciples or check out the link in today's show notes. Thanks for listening in today. Here's my chat with Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited to chat with you. And I have to tell you, um, a friend and a fellow podcaster, uh, Ryan Hilpish, we were talking about podcasts that we love, and in particular, ones that we listen to regularly, um, Mm -hmm. that we come back to every week, you know. And she mentioned your podcast, uh, one of your podcast girlfriends. And I just wanted to tell you what she said, because I think it is um, such a gift that you have as a host. She said that as a listener, she feels like she doesn't just know about you, but that she knows you. And I think that is just a testament to your vulnerability and honesty in in your shows and in your hosting. So oh. yeah, I just wanted to say that to get started because <laughs> I think that is just a gift you have and I'm I'm so glad you're using it. So <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. That means a lot because yeah. really that is what my goal is through podcasting because you know, I, my background is in blogging from years, you know, back in the day when blogging okay. was a big thing and I really loved that like intimate connection that you could have with people mm. that way and how you could really be yourself and encourage and support people from, like you said, a place of vulnerability. And so when I was going back like a couple of years ago, it's been two and a half years now, and I was like thinking about getting started back in blogging and then I decided to go with podcasting instead. And mm. I find it's a very similar outlet. Of course, it's different, but it's similar in that kind of intimate building community kind of way where you really can just be you and you can connect with people. And so I love that your friend said that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, of course. So you, you actually host two podcasts. Um, One is Girlfriends and the other Mm -hmm. one is the Catholic, Catholic Mom. Mom cast. Yeah. Okay. So that's part of Catholic Mom, which is like my daytime job. That's the hat I wear, you know, kind of 40 hours a week where I'm a brand manager over at CatholicMom.com. So Lisa Handy, who's founder of Catholic Mom, going back 16 years, I think, maybe uh-huh. even more. Um, she is uh, kind of pursuing other endeavors right now. And um, so Catholic Mom is kind of expanding and growing under the umbrella of Holy Cross Family Ministries, which acquired oh, it a little okay. over a year ago, which is wow. wonderful, a great opportunity for us. And um, so I've come on as a manager there. And Lisa's sticking around, of course, because she's so sweet and loving and generous. And she's part of our podcast every week. So Lisa and I get to chat about all things related to 
you know, that Catholic women care about. So very similar to the kinds of topics I'm doing on Girlfriends every mm-hmm. week. Um, but, and sometimes we do have an interview on there, but other times it's just Lisa and me kind of talking and it's a great fit because Lisa's, um, I don't think she minds me telling that she's like 10 years older than I am. So mm-hmm. we're kind of coming from different kind of phases yeah. in life and different perspectives. And both of us kind of speak to that experience um, that younger moms might be going through. So um, I, I think it's very nice. The podcast is a very nice experience extension of what we do at catholicmom.com. I love that. And there's, um, I, I love um, podcasts where there's a couple hosts. Yeah. Um, I think that just brings a special element to to a show. So I so me, agree. And yeah. that's why on Girlfriends, sometimes I'll mix it up and have an interview because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to just sit and talk into my microphone <laughs> by myself again. You know, because there's an energy that comes from the yeah. interaction with people. And when you can get great people on, it works out great. So I, I really agree. And I, I love to have a mix of those things. Right. That's wonderful. So uh, Danielle, this kind of seems crazy. So you're you're the brand manager at CatholicMom.com. Mm-hmm. You host two podcasts, mm-hmm. and you also host a talk show. Is that right? That's right. That's the and, gist on Catholic TV. A lot of okay. fun to do. And then you are a writer of many books. <laughs> yeah, I know. It always sounds so ridiculous. Like, stop. Okay. So let me explain some stuff here. Okay. So um, every time someone reads my bio, and sometimes I've done it, like I'm standing before an audience and they're going to introduce me about to speak somewhere. And sure. I start rolling my eyes like, come on, this is stupid. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But yeah. honestly, things like host a, a weekly talk show on Catholic TV, that sounds amazing, right? And it yeah. is amazing. But it's all recorded inside of a week for the entire year. So wow, okay, that's a little insider secret from the gist. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's a ton of fun to do. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Catholic TV that have kept us on for eight seasons. It's amazing. Um, But uh, yeah, so that's very little of my time, you know, but Mm -hmm. I'm thrilled to be able to do it. And stuff like the podcast, like I, you know, that for me is like a creative outlet. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I have my work, which I also love, and I get a lot of, you know, creative energy from that as well. Um, And I just feel like the the writing part of it, like, you know, I, I, I'm, currently working on a couple of different writing projects, but I don't always have outside writing projects going on. There there are phases of life where I'm just like, uh, can't even make my brain go there. I can't do anything (laughs) else right now. And I find that it's really very much, you know, work and family life are very much an ebb and flow like that, just Mm. being open to what God might be calling me to do. Mm. Oh, yeah. I love that you said that because I think you're right. Different seasons of life call for different things. For sure. Um, So how many, how many children do you have? So I have eight children. They range in age from 12. I cannot believe my baby is 12. I'm going to tear up just a little bit thinking about that. And then my oldest is 23. So they're all packed inside of like 12 years there. Um, But uh, a lot of fun, a lot of energy. We're we're like talking about phases of life. We're in a very new and strange phase to me where I feel like my house is emptying out. I've only got half my kids in the house right now. So um, a little tough in some ways, but also tons of fun and really exciting. Hmm, I love that. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about your daily life, what just your day-to-day life looks like. Yeah, sure. So I already mentioned that I work from home. So um, I there is an office that's, um, you know, in Massachusetts. I live in New Hampshire. And um, I'm in there, you know, a few times a month. Um, but for the most part, I'm working from home. And for me, that's always been kind of a non-negotiable thing. And mm. I think people, when they think like, oh, work from home, they picture me like closed off in an office, like, you know, doing my nine to five thing. And for sure, there is some of that closed off in an office type stuff that goes on. But um, 
this is part of why I want to always work from home is that I very much make my life and work kind of fit and flow together, always making sure that I'm being fair to my family and also my employer. And, um, you know, just, and I love having that kind of flexibility. It really fits my personality and my style of working the way that I prefer to work. Um, so working from home, um, you know, I'm usually up by like 7 or 7.30. I've got kids who are in high school. Um, we do homeschool our youngest two, but I've got two kids that I drive in in the morning and then I get started with my work day when I get home. Um, my husband works for himself and he's generally home in the morning. So he handles homeschool for the most part, which okay. is very different from yeah. what it used to be <laughs> back years ago when it was really very much my burden and he was working outside the home, um, for somebody else. So that part is very different. Um, so the, the way my days go these days, I find it very quiet. Um, mm. you know, and I'll work in like a lunch break where we might run some errands or that kind of thing. Like just before recording this, I was out with my two youngest and we hit the grocery store and the library and the bank and a couple oh. of other things. And, and I was reflecting on the drive home, like how, you know, when the kids were all little and I'd pack up my giant van with all the kids, like that felt like a certain kind of crazy and mm -hmm. just kind of enjoying the peacefulness and the quiet that this phase of my life is bringing, even though sometimes I'll, I'll cry all the crazy mom tears about my kids who are kind of grown up and doing their own thing. Um, but, you know, our lives are, are pretty quiet during the daytime. Um, in the afternoon, it picks up because uh, my kids are involved in sports. So there's a lot of uh, sports and driving around, um, those kinds of activities. Um, but I generally do um, prepare dinner. I, I That's a role that I like to keep to myself because I enjoy it. So um, generally, we'll, I'll make sure that I'm home and some sort of a dinner is being put together by the late afternoon and we manage to eat together before possibly evening activities pick up and homework and that kind of thing is going on. Wow. Yeah. So how long have you been kind of in this phase where um, your husband's, uh, you know, self-employed working at home and um, mm -hmm. you're the one, you know, after you drop off the kids are 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 working? How long have you been yeah. kind of in that phase? For? Um, it's been, it's really funny that you say that because you know it's so funny that for years I've been working full time, right? But I still hesitate to call myself a working mom because that's not mm. how I identify myself. Wow, interesting. <laughs> I know. And, and yet I am. I'm 100% a working mom. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the way that it happened was kind of gradually, um, you know, years ago I was full time stay at home. And um, up until I was pregnant with our fifth and I just spent a summertime just doing some freelance writing and kind of focusing on doing that just as an outlet for me. I never was looking for a job or anything. Mm. Um, and that kind of led to, you know, different opportunities and eventually ended up taking a part-time position as an editor for a magazine, um, a Catholic family magazine that's now out of print, unfortunately. Um, and that led to more work that ended up leading to full-time work from home. And, um, you know, it, it's just kind of crazy how all of it went from one thing to another. And every stage of it, though, um, uh, my husband and I have just prayerfully come together and talked about it first of all, but then also just brought it to prayer. And every opportunity that we've had said, does this make sense? Does this fit for our family life? And the same with his work too. He was a, a teacher in a private school for you know over 20 years. And um, when that school closed, he kind of just did a sort of a self-assessment, like what do I wanna be doing? And it was a real kind of nice opportunity with me being full-time employed for him to explore some other things that, um, you know, other opportunities and things that he's always wanted to do. So, um, you know, just 
just every stage like that, every opportunity that's presented itself that we knew would affect our family life, we've always just tried to very prayerfully approach it and choose what's best. And that meant sometimes saying no to things that I really would have loved, great mm-hmm. opportunities, but then I just tell myself, well, someone else is going to have that great opportunity. It's not mm-hmm. for me and my family right now. Wow, I love that. And I love how, you know, the Lord takes you through different stages and it might not be what you thought. Right. <laughs> I would never would have totally said that because, you know, I went to I went to a four-year college and um, graduated top of my class. and But I just left there saying, I just want to get married and have babies. And that's what I did. Like, you know, so the next month after I graduated, we were married, got pregnant on the honeymoon. We just started our family fast and furious. And I never aspired to do more than that. Um, but this, these opportunities have presented themselves. And um, there's a ton about my work that I enjoy. And I can't imagine living a different life now, although mm. this never is what I would have planned. Yeah. Wow. I love that. So when you think about how you personally are living out the Great Commission as a mom, what, mm-hmm. what comes to mind for you? Um, really that it starts at home. You know, when mm. you talk about the Great Commission, like Jesus is telling us all, like we're all meant to be, you know, evangelizing. We're meant to go out and spread the good news. And sometimes as a mom, you can feel conflicted and say like, Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, I, I'm stuck here at home with these kids and I've, I've got to make dinner and whatever. And how am I supposed to be out in the world at the same time? But I really think um, my years as a mom have really taught me, and I've struggled through some of this, have really taught me though the, the value that we have and the influence we have as mothers in mm-hmm. inside of our homes, inside of our families, starting with our own kids. And honestly, now that I've got kids who are bigger now that are out of the house, in college, doing different things. It's amazing to me the things that my kids are able to accomplish. And not that I take credit for it all, but I know I gave them a firm foundation. I know that I know the work that I put in. And it's really a beautiful thing to see it bear fruit in the lives of my kids and just think about the places they can go and what God can do through them because mm-hmm. of the sacrifices and the efforts that we did, a lot of it behind the scenes early on. Right. Beautiful. I love that. So as a as a Catholic mom and as um, a working mom who has a lot on her plate, um, I'm thinking about the idea of, of self-care. And mm-hmm. what does that look like for you? Or what do you feel like are some of the most important things that have to do with self-care? Yeah, I mean, I think... Self-care is kind of like a buzzword, right? We're always telling you, like, this is important, you know? And I totally agree that it's important, but it means different things to different people. It doesn't, I mean, sometimes what comes to mind for some people is, like, I have to be, like, in a bubble bath reading a novel or something, you know? Like, um, and for me, for years, I kind of suffered from this anxiety, like, I know self-care is important. I don't want to end up, like, bitter and resenting my family, but it just felt like one more thing, like another Mm -hmm. chore I needed to to do something else I had to fit in. But, um, you know, I, I heard someone speak about self-care recently. I wish I could remember who it was. I think it was just a YouTube video. Um, but this person was saying the idea of self-care, I mean, it can be taking care of yourself, not in a way that feels like indulgent, like it doesn't have to be an afternoon at the spa. It can mean like, making sure you have um, a salad for lunch every day or Mm -hmm. making sure you have time for exercise in the mornings or um, yeah, maybe making sure you have time for, you know, 15 minutes of quiet to read a book or just sit in silence, you know, um, every day. So I really think that what matters the most when it comes to self-care, especially for moms is self-knowledge. 
Like, mm. what what do you value? What makes you feel refreshed? What makes you feel energized? What do you notice if you don't have it in your life and you feel starved for it? For mm. some people, that might be social interactions. For some people, social interaction might be the last thing in the world that right. they want. You know, so it's really about knowing yourself, knowing your temperament, knowing your needs, and then being able to be reasonable about them. Like, you know, and not put pressure on yourself or on your spouse. I think sometimes there's that temptation as well. Like, I'm not getting my me time, you know? Well, <laughs> maybe nobody is at that phase yeah. in your life. And maybe this is a time where you just need to kind of grit and bear it. And yeah, if that goes on for an extended period of time, that's not a healthy thing. But I think accepting that there are some phases in your family life where it's going to be like that, where it's going to be more busy, more stressful, and maybe you're not going to have time to pursue all the things. I mean, I think accepting that is really important and being reasonable about it. But then knowing yourself so that when, you know, a half hour opens up here or there or whatever, that you're not in a panic, like, what do I even do? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. knowing yourself and being prepared to meet those needs. So if you enjoy reading, making sure you have access to books. If you if you do enjoy a day at the spa, then figuring out a way to make that happen and um, not in a bratty, demanding way of your family, but just in a very reasonable way of, you know, having a conversation with your husband. Like, here's some things I value. How can we make time for them? And what are some things you value and how can we make time for them? I think mm -hmm. that's part of a normal, loving, cooperative relationship. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that so much. The idea of, um, of looking and thinking, what is something that I value? What would I miss if it wasn't mm -hmm. there in my life? And um, you're right, that is so different for each of us. And I, I just love that you said that because self-care can look so different for it can. each and of us in different we stages. Think it's like it's a one size fit all. If I'm not going right. to the spa, then I'm not taking care of myself. Well, mm -hmm. I, I kind of don't want to go to the spa. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, totally. I'll choose something else. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love that. Hi, friends. I wanted to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, We Believers. If you haven't heard of them, you will need to head over to their website today and check out their adorable and faith-based toys for kids. My absolute favorite that we're planning on getting for my son, PJ, is their St. Joseph the Carpenter tool set. I also love the Noah's Ark foam tub toys. I wasn't sure it could get much better than that, but We Believers also has toy mask kits and vocation dolls, a priest or a religious sister plush doll that comes with the booklet of real vocation stories. And for the little ones in your life, you'll have to check out the Little Prayer Buddies, soft animals that sing or pray so your kids can learn the Lord's Prayer or Guardian Angel Prayer along with them. Guys, Bernice the Polar Bear sings Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow. I'm not sure it gets much cuter than that. Join the We Believers email club and get 20% off your first order at webelievers.com. That's we-w-e-e-believers.com or find the link in today's show notes. So Danielle, you've recently released a book in a small group study uh, DVD or series called um, Momnipotent. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there's a lot in this book and that goes into the idea of self-care. Um, yeah. So I'd love to ask you a few questions about that if you're, sure. if you're open to it. So um, what did you mean by momnipotent? Mom, <laughs> it's a hard word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a tough time selling them on that title, but I just, I loved it. It's a word. I, I think I made it up um, going back a few, you know, several years. <laughs> I, I used to write a regular column for the National Catholic Register and I kind of coined that phrase inside of one of the columns talking about our unique strengths as as women and as mothers in particular. And I'm not saying that um, to exclude women who haven't had children because 
St. John Paul II tells us in such a beautiful way that every woman is called to be a mother, that that's the universal Mm -hmm. call of womanhood. And sometimes we might bristle at that a little bit, like what on earth, what audacity, how dare he say that? But what he means by that is that every woman is uniquely gifted in the art of self-giving, nurturing, generous love, that, that, that mothering that we all know when we feel it and when we see it and when we practice it, and that we crave as human beings. Like, you know, we're meant to be a gift to our worlds, we women are. So that might mean starting with your own home and family. It might mean in your workplace. It might mean in your neighborhood or your community. Mm-hmm. Um, but just looking for those opportunities to practice those particular gifts and strengths that you have because you're a woman. Gifts like compassion or sensitivity or an, um, beauty. You know, we have a gift for an eye for beauty and we have beauty just represented even inside of our own bodies and outside of our own bodies that we're meant to be a gift to the world. And so momnipotent, I really wanted to speak to that idea that we have strength that comes to us from our motherhood that's unique to us because God made us as women to be mothers, to mother others, and to be that example and to be teachers in that art of love to the other human beings that he's placed in our care. So I really felt like when I went to write the book, I felt like so many women I knew and that I was hearing from were really suffering inside of their motherhood, feeling like it was all just drudgery, feeling put upon by it, feeling worthless inside of it, feeling like, what am I even accomplishing here? Feeling like maybe they were duped or disillusioned and like, what did I give my life to? And I felt like they needed a pep talk. So that's really what Momnipotent is all about, kind of exploring those gifts we have that are unique to us as women. Of course, all human beings are built for love, but women are built in a unique way for love. And um, we're, we're especially good at relationships relationships. And that's what life is all about. That's what gives meaning and purpose to our lives are what we experience inside of relationships. So really a special role that we're meant to play in our families, especially, but even for those who aren't raising families in, in your communities and in in whoever God has placed in your life, that's who you're meant to be a mother to. Mm. Wow, I love that so much. And um, when I had read that part um, of the book early on, you know, you talk about um, St. John Paul II and um, how God made every woman to be a mother. And I feel like I've read that a couple times because I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, that's so controversial to say. It's so nervy, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In these these times in our culture, you know, and I'm so so glad that you said that. And later you say that, you know, motherhood is the most important role any woman, you know, plays on earth. And um, I don't think we as moms really hear that very often, maybe because it kind of sounds like, Oh gosh, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, how dare I love you, that you say said that, it, right? Yeah. I know that's what that's what I love that St. John Paul II was so brazen and dared to say yeah. such a thing, and it shouldn't be a controversial thing, and it mm-hmm. is a controversial thing because so much about our culture denigrates motherhood. Mm. That you can't say every woman's called to be a mother because that's beneath us, right? That's like that's demeaning work, or um, that's fine if you want to do that for a hobby for a few years, but that's not something you're going to give your whole self to. Well guess what? The joke is on us women in the end if we swallow that because at the end of the day, we know what makes us happy and it's inside of our relationships with Mm. the people that God has given us in our lives. And that means our families, that means our children, that means our aging parents. It could mean your patients if you're a doctor, it could mean your students if you're a teacher, but Mm. we know it's inside of that 
work that we are uniquely gifted at doing as women, that we find meaning and value and purpose in everything we do. So no wonder we feel disillusioned when we believe the other lies and look for satisfaction in those things the world tells us is the definition of success. But I mean, I think there's nothing more sexist than telling a woman in order to be happy or quote unquote successful by the world's standards, you need to give up who you are. You need to give up what you're yeah. uniquely gifted at. You need to deny your strengths as a woman. You need to, you know, squash who God made you to be in order to be happy and successful. I mean, that's the most sexist thing in the world. And yet yeah. in our enlightened culture, that's the message many of us are receiving. Hmm. Yeah. And I, early on in the book, you you mentioned this experience, um, I think as a teenager, where you heard... Um, a song from um, maybe Sesame Street or the Muppets yes. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was Sesame Street, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, maybe you could just tell us that story because I thought that was really insightful. Um, oh, sure. What you shared, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I felt a little funny including that, but um, it, it really was sort of an eye-opening thing inside of my my growing up and my kind of coming to terms with what, who am I as a woman? What did God make me to be? So it really, I mean, I, I'm a child of Sesame Street, so you know how old I am. So there we go. <laughs> um, and I mean, I think I, you know, so many of us in that generation were raised on Sesame Street and that was kind of forming our ideas of the world in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways it was great. But um, so there was this particular song, it was all these female Muppets, which were cute and everything. And they were singing this song, There's Nothing we women can't be, which was the refrain, which is great. And, um, but what really struck me about it was the fact, um, and this was years later, what struck me about it, not as like a seven-year-old watching this, but was that all of the examples that of these Muppets that were singing this song were women who were like brain surgeons and astronauts and lion tamers and lumberjacks and, you know, doing these things out in the world. And in this idea of there's nothing we women can't be, not a single one of them was a mom, yeah. or at least wasn't making an example of that. And that really was, I think, very telling about where the culture was then and where it's gone since. This idea that women need to free themselves from that idea of motherhood, because that's a sort of enslavement or something, you know, you can't just be that and do all these other things and find fulfillment in these other things. Absolutely nothing wrong with those other things. I'm so grateful to the women who've accomplished great things inside of arts and science and education. But at the same time, let's not do that at the expense of who we are. Mm -hmm. And let's not, you know, celebrate those accomplishments at the expense of motherhood, that very thing that so many of us just, we know it's built in. You know, when we're choosing otherwise, when we're trying to deny it, when we're trying to buy what the world is telling us is going to make us happy, we know differently in our own hearts. And Every one of us has a unique calling. I'm not saying every woman is called to the same kind of motherhood, not at all, but that's part of the beauty of it, that we have these gifts and we have these strengths in common, and yet we pl they, they play out so differently in every one of our lives and such a beautiful thing to witness. And so let's not squash that. Let's not hide that. Let's not deny it. Let's not feel like that's beneath us or demeaning. It truly is where we find meaning and purpose in everything we do. Mm. I love that. Wow, I love that so much. Um, so you're mentioning these strengths, and I know you talk about these in the book as well. Um, mm -hmm. Are there eight, seven or eight that you kind of focus in on? In the right. Book? Yeah, there's a yeah. number of them there. And there's there's so many more. You know, right. I just chose a few different themes for the book, um, ones that I especially experienced 
in my own motherhood um, and had witnessed among other women. Um, but I think really, you know, what I'm hoping that people will take away from Omnipotent when they read it is this idea that I, I have these special strengths and gifts and maybe pay attention to them. You don't have mm -hmm. to read the book and say like, oh, so here are my gifts and this is it. No, open your eyes to the ways in which God has uniquely made you and called you for the mission that he's given you in your particular life. I think that's really empowering in that way. Mm. I love that. How do you how do you think we can go about discovering, you know, what those specific gifts might be for us? Well, I am a huge believer in the fact that, like, if you want to know God's will for you, just look around you. Like, look in your living room. God's will mm -hmm. is standing there asking you what's for yeah. dinner, probably, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. like, I'm a big believer in that because there's so many things about that I've experienced in my own life that just through circumstances and whatever, that years later I can look back on it and be like, isn't that amazing what happened there? That, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning of this show, I never would have planned. And yet, there it is. And I responded to it, and that was part of God's will for me, you know. And and you know, it all comes down to things like you know your own things that you're good at, the things that you you enjoy, the opportunities you have, the person you married, the kind of person you married, the opportunities mm -hmm. you have because of that, um, you know. So it's really unique to everybody, and I think it's really just kind of opening your eyes to what's around you, where God has placed you, because He knows all about it. And it's not a mistake. And that doesn't mean you can't make changes if you don't like where you happen to be. But at the same time, recognize that you don't have to go out and do something fancy to do God's will. It's right there. You know, there are opportunities, people all around you who are in need of your love, in need of connection with you, your, who need and want and um, have a right to your motherhood in whatever way that's going to look for you. Mm, beautiful. I love that. Um, a little while ago, you were talking about um, sometimes that, that drudgery that we can kind of feel as moms, that mm -hmm. um, feeling like, oh my goodness, is this my life forever? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? When you're, when you're uh, elbow deep in dishes. And yeah. um, so uh, how, how do you get through that drudgery or how do you have a different perspective yeah. I mean, I don't have the perfect perspective. I still have bad days. And I think just recognizing like, you know, on this side of heaven, nothing's ever going to feel perfect. We're not there yeah. yet, you know, mm -hmm. um, but recognizing that and that every, every job has its, its pitfalls. Every job has its downsides. Every job has its drudgery days. You know, you could be, you know, living your dream life and you're still going to have some days where it feels off or things don't go the way you want them to and that kind of thing. So being realistic about that. Um, but then also, you know, I think it's important for women to connect and share with other women, especially ones who are sharing, first of all, your values, but also maybe um, your particular stage or phase in life, or maybe they're a little bit ahead of you in, in where their family life is right now. I think that can be a really encouraging thing um, because I think we don't do it often enough, just getting together with one another and connecting and sharing about the things that we have in common. Um, but also just being vulnerable with one another and saying, hey, I'm really struggling. This is really hard. And you can get so much encouragement from just knowing that you're not alone in that struggle. Just knowing mm -hmm. it's hard for other people too, rather than feeling kind of this kind of pressure that we sometimes feel to always put a happy face on it. Like, I'm living this happy Catholic family life and it's all hearts and roses and it feels great. You know, like, no. 
It's the most emotionally, physically, spiritually draining thing you're ever going to do. And it's, it's because it's so important. It's because it's our vocation. And it's because we recognize the value of the investment we're making and the sacrifice we're making. We know it has worth. Um, but we need to get together with one another to, you know, to talk about that. Be open and honest with one another about that. Because, you know, I always say nobody can tear apart another woman like a woman can, right? We know this. We've all experienced this kind of pain probably inside of our female friendships. But nobody can build up a woman quite like another woman can either. It's a unique gift we have to encourage and affirm one another. So I think it's truly important, especially if you're struggling, especially if you're going through a hard time whatever phase it might be, um, to connect with other people who can commiserate and share with you, possibly offer mm-hmm. some support, offer some, you know, mm-hmm. real help, um, or even just let you know that you're not alone in that struggle. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. We um, recently started a, a women's group in, in my area. It's a Blessed Is She um, group study. Oh, that's and wonderful. Yeah, we. I've just been loving it, and I've found so much... Um, yeah, encouragement, but then also just when I share things and to have other women say, yeah, that's a that's a legitimate feeling. <laughs> what you're experiencing is legitimate, and um, I've experienced that too. And you know, we can we can pray for that. It's it's absolutely really important. I think um, so. I love that you mentioned that aspect of community. Yeah. Um, so Danielle, how have you seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? Oh boy. <laughs> Let me say <laughs> big question for you. You know, the number one thing that comes to mind when you talk about the last year is just I, I mentioned already that you know my family dynamic is changing because I've got more kids than ever that are outside the house. So um, I have eight all together, and um, just four are with us now. So I've been seeing my kids graduate college. I've seen one get engaged. Um, um, then I've got three that are away at school in various places that are they're pretty far away. But I think that really the way that I see God working in this phase in my life is kind of just opening my eyes a little bit to the the plans that he might have for my kids. And I can't know them all, um, but I, I can see their gifts and their strengths and I can see the opportunities that they have. And to be a part of that behind the scenes really is a blessing. And so I've just been really focused on that, that kind of gratitude for just the opportunity of, of being there and watching my kids grow up into people that I really like and they're fun yeah. to hang out with and what a joy what a blessing that is and I never could have guessed that when I was in the trenches when I was in the throes I mean you have some idea that some day like that might come but at the same time you can't really know what it is until you're there and um, so to be able to see some of that that pay off in some ways has really been a blessing and really a joy and so I, I really see God at work inside of the changes in my family life because my kids who are still at home with us still need us um, and they're being raised in a very different kind of family than their older siblings were. It's just a different thing. They've got a different, you know, different kids at home, different things going on, you know, parents in a different phase of life. Um, but I'm, I'm also recognizing and being grateful for the fact that 
God knows where he put my kids in this family and just kind of watching that dynamic. And, um, you know, he knows what they need. He knows the parents he gave them. He knows where he placed them in the family. And so they're each getting what they need. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And it's been very encouraging for me because sometimes, especially those of us who have larger than average size families, we can get overwhelmed and we can feel like, I can't do it all, you know, and I can't be all the things for everybody. And it's very reassuring to think I don't have to be, you know, I can cooperate with God and with the Holy Spirit and raising these kids the best way I can. But at the same time, it's ultimately not, not my huge, you know, burden to bear that God's going to do his work in them. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's so neat. And I have, um, just young ones now. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and, um, I don't think much about, you know, eventually they're going to be, you know, off on their own and I'm going yeah. to get to have like a whole new relationship with them at, you know, at a different age. And um, it's it's interesting hearing from someone who has, you know, raised their children and is now able to say like, you know, I enjoy you know, just hanging out with them, like as, yeah. a, you know, my son or daughter as an older, older child is, um, that's so, that's so neat to hear. Yeah, really fun, really fun. Um, and Danielle, what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why? Oh, let's see. I do love my home because it has so much history here because my husband built our home, you know, years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. We, we bought um, 10 acres of land here in New Hampshire and he, like, there was nothing but woods here. And um, so we, we, I say we, that's being very generous to me, um, <laughs> cleared the land. And um, now we have, you know, just a, a beautiful field. And my husband built our house here. But starting out, he built just, you know, a, a little um, tiny salt box, you know, that style old, old house. And it was small all like we, we moved in here with four kids on all under the age of six. And um, we just had like a little living room, um, a little kitchen area, a bathroom and um, a place to have the kitchen table downstairs. And then we had two bedrooms upstairs. And, um, and then, you know, we, we've added on to it since then, but I still love that original part of the house and thinking about how we lived then. And, um, you know, it was, it was really a sweet time and I don't want to over romanticize it because I know it was a hard time too, in a lot of ways, but also there was a lot of good that came out of our family life in that time. So I still love having that living space, especially the little living area there, um, and actually, it's funny that you asked that question because I've been over the past few days kind of um, renovating that space and painting the walls in there. And I just sent a photo of the the fresh paint on the walls and some new furniture to my kids who are away at school. And they were like, what? Is that even the same room? But <laughs> wow, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I guess it's a little bit dramatic, but at the same time, I love it. And I love that. Mm. I, I mean, I know it's the same space. And um, so, I mean, that's just a great place. It gets great sunshine in there and it's, it's a great spot to just sit and, and read or um, or just watch the comings and goings inside of the house because it's right mm. by the front door. Mm, that's great. That's so cool that, um, you know, your kids really grew up in that house and have seen it change mm. and expand as your family expanded. Exactly. And- Sometimes a little slow for my taste, but it always did. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Wow. I love that. Yeah. And uh, what have you been loving recently? 
Oh, um, you know, we, I, I saw that you were going to ask that question and I was like, oh, what, what product? And I, I love sharing good products. But then oh, I thought good. I have to share a book because I'm just, I'm about halfway through um, Three to Get Married by uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen. I think he's venerable. Is he venerable? Yes, he's I venerable. think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I love Fulton Sheen, but I had never read this particular book, which is about and sex what is it and called marriage. again? It's called Three to Get Married. Okay. Um, so it's all about sex and marriage, and um, I don't remember what inspired me to get this book. But then, as soon as I started reading it, I just ordered other copies because I want my big kids to read it, especially my daughter who's engaged. I want my husband to read it. Wow. It's really fantastic. I mean, such a mm. refreshing. Just dose of honesty and realism, but also just, you know, the teachings of our church about sex and about marriage are so beautiful and life-giving and freeing. And mm. there's so much about our culture that gets that wrong. So this book yeah. is a great antidote for it. Um, if you're, you know, struggling inside of your marriage to kind of make sense of the teachings of the church on these topics, or even just struggling in your marriage in general, like what, you know, this is a great kind of refresher mm. course on what marriage is, what you're supposed to be to one another, and um, that self-gift that you're meant to be to one another. Um, but also a great thing to give to young adults in your life. Um, they, they might roll their eyes at the title because they're not maybe <laughs> preparing to get married, but it's really not yeah. just about that. Um, mm. And if you've got kids that are old enough to date, they're definitely old enough to read this book, and, and they should. Okay. They should know what's going on. Oh, that's great. I'll have to look into it. I had never even heard of it, so I'll add it to my list. Okay, Danielle, do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's making your life a little easier? Oh, um, yeah. So I thought of this thing that I just recently shared on my Instagram stories, which is, and this is probably, I'm dumb and other people have been doing this for ages, but it was like revolutionary to me. I've got kids who pack lunches for school and I was always just buying, because it's easy, those little packets of snacks and raisins and you know, crackers or nuts or whatever. And um, I just decided when I was at the store recently to get the giant pack of, you know, various snacks uh, that they like to bring to school and just the little snack bags, little tiny ones, and then package them myself, saving a ton of money. And also, you know, I can pack healthier items that way. And um, I was so proud of myself because I, I spent like, you know, probably not even 20 minutes just filling these little baggies and putting them in the pantry where we keep a kind of bin for their, their snacks that they can grab before they're going to school. And, um, you know, I just thought that is super cool and easy to do. And so I was, I was thrilled. And, and then I, I put on my stories kind of a call out for different things people do for their lunches. And moms are so smart. There, there's so yeah. many awesome ideas out there. So um, a, a lot of people recommended, you know, packing lunches the night before, um, um, having your kids do it, which I do for the most part. I'm not like making them sandwiches in the morning. Um, but also um, different ideas for or, um, you know, just just not not falling prey to that prepackaged kind of thing. You know, first of all, the food's not as healthy, but second of all, you're paying a ton more for all that packaging, and um, and, and you're getting a lot less for it. So anyway, it was it was a lot of fun to do that and kind of have that conversation. And um, I'm always all about looking for ways to save money, especially on groceries, because that's my number one budget item yeah. in our family. That's great. So um, have you noticed a substantial 
financial difference when you switch to the bank? Well, I've only been doing it for a week, okay. so. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think so. And, and, you know, what's funny is that I'm also kind of adjusting my grocery budget to the fact that I've got fewer kids since school started um, and kind of figuring that right. out. But I'm never, I need to accept this about myself. We were talking about self-knowledge uh-huh. earlier, that I'm not going to be one of those coupon people. I'm not. Uh-huh. I just can't. I can't even do it. I can't even use the reusable bags and get 15 bucks. You know? <laughs> I can't. I just, I don't know. Maybe in my old age or something. But um, this is something that I can do. And um, I actually find that it's really a lot of fun. That's so, great. Um, I, yeah, it is. That's great. I love that. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for um, being here and for chatting with me. And um, if people want to uh, check out your books or your podcasts, where, where would you want me to send them? Um, they can go to daniellebean.com um, and there's all the information there. For the Catholic Momcast, go to catholicmom.com or just do a search on iTunes. Same thing for my girlfriend's podcast, which is my personal podcast. You can get the information um, there, but it's also hosted at Ascension because they help me with the production of the podcast. So if you go to ascensionpress.com, you can get all of the episodes of Girlfriends there. Wonderful. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Oh, good. And uh, let me go ahead and close this in a prayer. All right. Lord Jesus, thank you so much um, for this time to be together today. Thank you for all the moms listening. I pray, Lord, that they would see you in their work today, see you and your will for them in their children and um, the tasks that they have ahead, Lord. Jesus, we offer this day to you and we offer this time to you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Amber. Hi, friends. I love how Danielle talked about how knowing yourself and what you value helps you to figure out a strategy for self-care, and also having that conversation with your husband. This is what I value, what's important to you. I also love how she talked about opening our eyes to see the ways in which God has uniquely made you and the particular mission he has called you to. She mentioned that can be as simple as asking, what's around me? Where has he placed me? Who have I married? Who are the people around me that need and want and have a right to my motherhood? Thanks for listening in today. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Diapers and Disciples or at DiapersAndDisciples.com. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.